What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Squire. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on social media, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Anchor as well, and we are officially now on Spotify. Just type in keyword TSK show to find us. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you decide to listen to the TSK show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. On this episode of the TSK show, Tyler is back from vacation, and the Golden State Warriors are headed to their fifth straight NBA Finals, so we will discuss what it means for the Warriors and the historical impact this team has made in the association. While the Warriors have advanced, their opponent has yet to be revealed. The Bucks and Raptors are deadlocked at two games apiece, and it's now a best two out of three between the top two teams in the East. Also, the All-NBA, All-Rookie, and All-Defensive teams were announced, so we will take a look at those. And now that Tyler is back, we will get his reaction to the NBA draft lottery results, Frank Vogel being hired by the Lakers, as well as our reaction to Magic Johnson's remarks on ESPN's first take on Monday. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the sports kingdom. Welcome to the sports kingdom. Welcome to the sports kingdom. Welcome back, TP. How was vacation? It was good, man. It's good to have a week off. Uh, I saw a lot of people I hadn't seen in a long time. It was a good trip home. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you back. Uh, let's just uh, jump right into it because there's a lot to go over tonight. The NBA Conference Finals, uh, one matchup is already wrapped up. The other one is deadlocked. The Warriors beat the Trailblazers four games to nothing, a clean sweep. And now the Bucks and Raptors are deadlocked at two games apiece. Game five is currently going on right now. It's 71-67 to 67 with under two minutes to go in the third quarter. I got the live stream up on a, a window on my computer right now, so we'll keep yeah, we'll keep tabs on that. Uh, but let's start with the West since that series is already over. Just complete domination by the Warriors. Uh, they're now going to be playing in their fifth straight NBA Finals. They become the first team to do so since the 1966 Boston Celtics. Pretty incredible. Yeah, they're uh, they're for sure a top three team I've ever seen. Probably number one. It's hard to push Kobe and Shaq and and MJ and Scotty to the side like that. So I got to group them as three for now. But what the Warriors are doing is incredible. It's crazy. I mean, they're not even done yet. So I still think that they're they're just so dominant, and they're still set up to be dominant for a couple more years. That. I'm just kind of trying to enjoy it, but they beat people so quick, it's over, man. Yeah, you blink, and before you know it, the series is done. I think the most, because I've, you know, you got to find other shit, because they're always winning, you know what I mean? It's been five years now. Uh, The most I take away from the Warriors' success is how good the Clippers really were this year, and how they're probably going to give them the best series of the playoffs. Uh, You know, the with KD. Yeah. um, Just, uh, and and now how interesting they are as a free agency uh, destination. I mean, the Clippers. They got yeah. 
They got a coach. They got a philosophy. We're not got, starting the it, show off like this. No, but what I'm saying is what I'm taking away, these Warriors have been so dominant the last two rounds. And it's just, uh, you know, the Clippers gave them the best fight. And yeah. that's kind of what I'm taking away from it. They're just whooping everybody else. And they could sweep, you know, either one of these Eastern Conference teams oh, as easily, well. Oh, easily, Without KD. <laughs> I mean, with, yeah. I mean, they could. that's how good they are. So, yeah. Uh, the Warriors are just kind of leaving speechless, you know? Yeah. Now, I mean, obviously there were moments of excellence in this series from the Warriors. Uh, even though the Blazers were swept, uh, I think they put up a pretty valiant effort. Dame got hurt in game two. Uh, but if you're out on the court, there's, uh, there's obviously no excuse. And I know I know Dame won't use it as an excuse. No, it swept two years in a row. Yeah, it's it's tough. But notoriously, the Warriors have been able to make outstanding adjustments at halftime against their opponents and they usually have big scoring third quarters and truly no lead is safe in any game against the Warriors and just to give you an idea of that in game one which was won by the Warriors 116 to 94 the Blazers largest lead in this game was five points okay they still lost the game they Mm -hmm. they were able to squander the lead to the Warriors and the Warriors ended up winning in a convincing fashion in game one Game two, a little bit different story. Three-point win for the Warriors, 114 to 111. But the Blazers' largest lead in this game was 17. And they gave that up and lost. Game three, first game in Portland, you thought the Blazers might be able to steal one. Warriors end up winning 110 to 99. Blazers' largest lead in that game was 18 points. And they still lost. Then game four, deciding factor, winner go home for the Blazers. They end up pushing the game to OT. All right, I'll give them credit for that. 119 to 117 was the ultimate final score with the Warriors end up winning, ending up winning the game. But that game had no business going to overtime. The Blazers were up 17 in that game. Yeah, I mean, the Warriors are a superior team. It's not even close. Is not even close. Portland's not in the same league. I mean, they are in the same league, but <laughs> <laughs> Portland is not uh, not anywhere near being able to beat the Warriors right now. I mean, th- they could have lost someone else, KD and somebody else, and still beat them, you know. Two of their guys are going to be able to play with the Portland's two guys. So, yeah, I mean, the Warriors are just the superior talent. They're the model of the league. That's who you got to beat. Nobody else can talk right now other than the Warriors. Yeah, and the Blazers led for 101 minutes of game time compared to the Warriors only leading for 83 minutes of game time. But all that matters is when the, the clock hits zero, who's who's winning at that point? Yeah, the Warriors have changed my perspective on basketball for the rest of my life. That's how 100%. dominant of a team they, they are. It's I just I think I think anything's possible at this point. I never thought uh, I'd see a team as dominant as Shaq and Kobe was. Well, and just the way they've done it and how long they've done it, it's all just crazy. And they've been able to keep the same core together and for longer than Shaq and Kobe were together, I think. Everybody. Everybody. It's just per- <laughs> it's just been a perfect run, you know? Now, obviously one of the subplots in this series was the Curry brothers matching up against each other. And ESPN was able to get the stats for when they guarded each other in yeah. the series. Uh, so when Steph was guarded by his little brother, Seth, Steph was able to drop 29 points on his little brother, going 9 of 14, and he shot 50% from three-point. 
And then, unfortunately, when Seth was guarded by Steph, older brother obviously had his way. Yeah, it's kind of just like a metaphor for the series in general. Yeah, Seth only scored three points on his older brother. Yeah. He was one of seven from the field and one of six from three points. Yeah, because it's, it's not even a fair comparison. <laughs> I mean, Steph's just so much better than his brother. It doesn't, you know, that kind of stat doesn't mean too much. It was special to be able to see Seth get off and against the Warriors and have a good, have a good run against his brother. Uh, that was cool to see. Uh, but when you start comparing their numbers when they're guarding each other, that's where it's just like, duh. Yeah, I saw I saw a meme on the internet and it was a picture of Dell and Dell and their mom had the the double jerseys made where it had one son's jersey on the yeah, front yeah, and the other yeah. on the back, yeah. but it still said Curry. Yeah, those are sick. Yeah, but the meme was uh, Dell Curry's living out Levar Ball's dream. I mean, I guess, kind of, <laughs> maybe. We'll see. I think Lavar's happy with his happy with his life. I, I mean, who wouldn't be? Yeah, I don't think he has any anything like any feelings like that. Yeah, no, but it's just it was a funny meme on the internet. No, I you know, get it. people want to hate on Lavar. I feel it. Now, obviously, we've been talking about how historic this Warriors team is, and in Game Four, Steph and Draymond became the first pair of teammates to ever record a triple double in the same game in the playoffs. Steph had 37, 13, and 11. Draymond had 18, 14, 11, two blocks, and three steals. Yep. And it's just absolutely – I mean, I – Yeah, there's – yeah, they're leaving <laughs> We keep saying it – we keep saying it over and over again. Like, we, we don't know – There's just – This team be, is such an enigma that it's like we've never seen something like this before. Yeah, that makes them special. They're going to win it. We knew they were going to win it the whole year, and – they're just playing it out. Yeah. Now, I, Kendrick Perkins, who has been doing the media rounds lately, uh, I saw on Twitter, he, he brought up a really interesting point. Draymond has four triple-doubles this postseason, and all of them are on the road. And I just want to take a second to say to anyone who doesn't really appreciate what Draymond does on the floor and what he means to his team, you don't really understand the game of basketball if you don't appreciate what Draymond is doing on the court he might not be putting up the biggest numbers but it's like that guy's a star yeah I mean if you it's just and I don't think I don't think the Warriors would be going to five straight NBA finals without Draymond no they wouldn't if it, it not five straight you know they might have been able to get to one or two you know and they could restructure their team but uh, the point is is he is on the Warriors and he is a big part and if you played on any team in general there's if you want to have any sort of success, you have to have guys like Draymond. Who yeah. Is, um, all those cliche things, you know, he's the glue guy. He's the heart and the heart and soul. He's yeah. the, you know, all that stuff. Um, he's he's an, he's extremely important to the team. Could they win without him? Maybe, but it wouldn't be the same. It makes team. it a whole hell of a lot easier to it, win with him. Yeah, it wouldn't be the same team, and uh, he's definitely been, you know, him playing. Steph are definitely the guys when I think of this this team. And I think Draymond, he's he's one of those he, he reminds me of like the old school NBA type guys where he he if he's on your team you love him to death and if he's yeah. not on your team you hate him. Yeah, no, he is. And I he's mean, the type of player that yeah. like I he's would want on my round, team. He's a second round draft pick. He's an undersized guy um that proved everybody wrong. So uh, nothing but love for Draymond. Yeah. Now we 
I said at the top, the the Warriors are the first team since the 66 Celtics to make it to five straight finals. Mm-hmm. Just to give everyone a perspective of where the Warriors sit in history, the Celtics went to 10 straight finals from 57 to 66 with Bill Russell mm-hmm. back, back, way back in the day. Then, obviously, LeBron himself has gone to eight straight finals which obviously ended this year from 2011 to 2018. Then the Warriors from 2015 to 2019. And then the Celtics again went to four straight NBA finals in 84 to 87. So I thought that was pretty cool to see where the Warriors sit in in history. Yeah. Jordan fucking blew it walking away that first time. Damn it. (laughs) They would, I mean, it's like, yeah, I think that, you know they could add a po- possibility of doing it, but well, because that would the that Warriors been are, the Warriors are now being compared. To, that's what's just so crazy about basketball now. It's like comparing it to the Cel- team Celtics or Russell Westbrook doing things that only Wilt was no, doing, and or they didn't even do, and then James Harden is doing shit that Wilt's doing. Like yeah, the, well Russell the, Westbrook, the, Oscar the records Robertson, that, excuse me. the records I just always thought didn't count because they were just so ridiculous. Well, you know? because you, I didn't think that I thought the style of play had evolved where. They would never be broken. And you now consider like, the NBA starting when Magic and Bird got there. Yeah, exactly. I did, yeah, exactly. I never even put that shit into, into consideration. Thought. You know, Wilt's scoring records, don't care about him. You know, Boston's finals, all those finals runs, championship records, not like. I, they won eight in a row. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. I never thought of like that even being pushed at all in the slightest. Yeah. Um, and now that's where basketball is at. Now any of that shit could happen. 100-point game is going to happen. Triple-doubles being average is going to become more common. Uh, yeah, it's always crazy. Know, 50 points a game for a season, that's going to happen. I mean, all that stuff's going to happen. It's crazy. It's crazy how people like to say that history never repeats itself, but it's like we're clearly seeing it start to repeat itself as these records start no, to I get think touched. That, I think the saying is history repeats itself. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> I think so. Well. So I think, you know, they were right. <laughs> it's going to repeat itself. But the point is, is that the Warriors are, you know, creeping up on the Boston Celtics, which I didn't think would ever be touched. Yeah, same. And speaking of repeating itself, Steve Kerr was a point guard in the NBA. Steph Curry is a point guard in the NBA. They've now both been to five NBA finals. It's always interesting that play that player, especially point guard, coach, dynamic. Uh, I think it's cool that they now share that that bond. Kerr won four in a row as a player. Yeah. Kerr, you know, because he hopped to the Spurs the year after the Bulls. Yeah. Uh, Kerr's got rings. Kerr's the man. I mean, that's a def. That's another one of those. Kerr's like, got technically ten he, rings. He, he's an he's another one of those. Yeah. Yeah, he does. No, he he has nine. Well, yeah. Well, okay. No, All right, has, I no, no, no. He has eight. He has eight. The Warriors have won three. This is they're going for their their three P, which will make it four total. You're so right. he's got three as a coach. He's got five as a player. Okay, yeah. So he's going for his ninth. He's going going for his ninth ring, which <laughs> is boss. And he's not going anywhere. He's he's the other one. You know, there's it's not. It's not everybody that I'll I'll remember, but Steph, Clay, Draymond, you know, more, more way more so than KD. But those three guys, Steve Kerr, guys like Sean Livingston and Iguodala, yep, um, 
those are the phases of this like dynasty. Well, and I think you can even, I think you can even include Jordan Bell and Kevon Looney in that, especially with the last two years uh, and the roles they've played uh, since they were drafted by the Warriors. No, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, sh- shout out those guys because they're one's a UCLA guy, one's a LA guy. But Steph, who went on, has been on an absolute tear since KD has been out, and obviously it's it's known that the Warriors are pretty dominant even without KD. I believe their record is like 29-1 and one without KD or something like that. Yep. But in this four-game sweep, Steph set the record for most points scored in a four-game sweep. He, sc- he scored 146 total points in this year's Western Conference Finals. The next best was Shaq at 145 in the 2002 Finals. After that, 144 points by LeBron James in the 2017 East Semis. And then the fourth was Kobe Bryant at 140 points in the 2001 West Semis. So I thought that was some pretty cool history that Steph made. He's the man. And I think with Kevin Durant being most likely ruled out for game one, maybe even game two, we don't know how much time he's going to miss. Him being out for the last, I don't know, what is it, 10 days or so. This could be Steph's year to get a finals MVP. Yeah, I mean, he very well – I mean, he's just as likely as any of those guys. Yeah. He don't, he don't need it, though. Real quick, before we move on from the Warriors, uh, i got to throw a pity party for Rodney Hood because he's now been swept three straight years on three different teams by the Warriors. Yeah. And that's just that's, that's just real unfortunate. That's tough. He'll have some good stories when he's an old man, though. Well, I mean, yeah, just being able to share the court at the same time with those guys is uh, pretty pretty unreal. Now, before we move on to the Bucks and Raptors, who are now in the fourth quarter, uh, it's a commercial. Oh, I'll give you guys a score update in a second. But something happened between Kevin Durant and Chris Broussard, and I think it's really interesting, and I think it's, I think it needs to be talked about, especially because I went to school for journalism and I graduated with a degree in journalism and I feel like Chris Broussard is just doing his job right now. Uh, Basically what happened was, is KD, Chris Broussard said that KD's worst nightmare is happening right before his very own eyes with the Warriors succeeding without him on the court and basically winning all these games and getting to the finals without him. And Broussard said that, well, basically before Broussard mentioned a text conversation between him and KD, KD clapped back at Chris Broussard for his comments saying this was KD's worst nightmare. And KD was basically like, if you think this is my worst nightmare, like I got, I have bigger issues than them winning basketball games without me. Like the, the game of life is bigger than basketball basically. And then Chris Broussard said that they had a text conversation between himself and Kevin Durant for an extended amount of time, whatever. And Katie refuted that and said that Chris Broussard didn't have his number. Mm-hmm. And Broussard then made a video, which it honestly reminded me of when Stephen A said, you don't want to make an enemy out of me, Kevin Durant, uh, regarding his free agency two summers ago 
before he signed this new deal with the Warriors. I thought that was pretty funny. But basically, Broussard claimed he has over 60 Instagram and Twitter DMs that he'll keep private out of respect for Kevin Durant. Uh, but if you want – he was basically saying, if you want to argue the difference between a DM and a text in 2019, you got bigger issues. And then he doubled down today on Undisputed on uh, FS1, basically saying if anyone can prove that Chris Broussard himself is wrong and KD is right and that those conversations between them never happened – Fox Sports should fire him and basically just never let him go on any show, like cancel his radio show, yeah. everything. And I got to respect Chris Broussard for putting his credibility and his job on the line like this. And like I said, as someone who studied and graduated with a degree in journalism, I was always told to seek the truth and report it. And I believe that's what Chris Broussard is doing in this case by putting his job and his credibility on the line. And I believe I believe Chris Broussard in this scenario, based off of everything that I've seen in KD's past history on social media with Burner's account and being petty with fans and clapping back and all of that. So it's like what I'm really trying to get at with all of this is Kevin Durant's most likely going to leave the Warriors. That's what we all assume this summer. All signs are pointing that he's going to the Knicks. New York is the number one media market in the world. Not just the country of the United States, but the world. Yep. How in the world is Kevin Durant going to deal with the New York media? He's going to get eaten alive. Nah, he's ready for it, though. He's been dealing with this shit his whole life. I mean, they're both right in this scenario. They both just got caught up in a tough, uh, a tissy fit. You know, <laughs> it was just like, dude, I mean, it's like, yeah, Kevin Durant was like, you know, biting over details and he questioned the man's credibility, but he doesn't have his number. So it's like, <laughs> it's it like KD is like, you know, it's KD can sit back and be like, well, he doesn't, you know what I mean? You're like, but Chris Broussard's right as well. I think both those guys feel like they won the battle. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, I don't think it means too much. It, I don't think, it, I think, no, it was at the done. end of the, at the end of the day, this conversation, yeah. this beef is done. nothing, but it's just yeah. like, I think it's done at the end of the day. It's, uh, of course, uh, Chris Broussard, like wouldn't comment something like that if it wasn't true. Cause I think instantly you would, right. Like you His said, credibility gets put into yeah, question. So like, I, I just assume he was right. Cause why would you, why would you risk that over some comment like that? And it's like, Okay, there were DMs, not texts. He doesn't have his phone number, so Kevin Durant's technically right, but whatever, you know. Yeah, no, Katie, I mean, Katie, this is not a big deal. It's over, and KD is, yeah, New York is going to be tough, and he doesn't. He's not not my favorite person when it comes to social media, and how he handles the media in general. Um, but I mean, like that, I forget what magazine it was. Um, if it was Sports Illustrated or what, but they came out with one. One had Greg Oden. Oh, I remember this. And one had KD. Yeah, I think it was a game with, and he's and his cover said, "I've been trained to be a franchise player since I was nine years old." Yeah, it was the Sports Illustrated right before the draft. And, and Greg Oden said, "I want to win a bunch of championships, like twelve of them, <laughs> or something like that. Ten, twelve, yeah. something like that." Um, but the point is, is KD's ready. He's been doing this his whole life. I mean, 
From what New, I've seen, I don't is, think he handles the media too well. No, he doesn't, but it, he'll be fine. You know what I mean? He's I, sitting back and fi- he, it's not going to affect him. Honestly. It may get everybody else like up in arms and maybe get everybody else talking, but Katie's going to be fine. It's not going to affect him at all. Honestly, I hope he stays in Golden State. I hope he tries to become the first player to – or one of the – not the first player, but – well, the first player since the Celtics, like we, yeah. we talked about, to win four straight NBA Finals. I, yeah, hope he, I, mean, I hope he stays. He, he, he could, and that would I mean that would suck because I think that's a guaranteed – that's another guaranteed chip. But, okay, do you put an asterisk next to his no, championships? No, no, no. Fuck no. Okay. So. I don't even allow – I'm not even going to allow that conversation in the door because okay. a chip is a chip. Well, exactly. I don't put an asterisk next to nah. his, but so many people Because then do. everybody's is. Everybody's is. I could I, – if that was the case, I'll find it. I'll find it. Dude, something for everybody. Shaq and Kobe both averaged 30-plus in an NBA Finals. Yeah, it's it's no, I I hate that. That's su- such a stupid comment. I completely agree. Yeah. So with that, we'll move on to the series that's going on right now. It's the fourth quarter. We got Eric Bledsoe currently at the line. Six minutes and seven seconds left. I'm waiting for the score to pop up. Eighty-nine to eighty-three. Yeah, it's Toronto. Gonna be, it's gonna be a good one. So six minutes to go. Toronto's up six. Let's see if they can hold on. But this is the perfect example of a series that confirms the old adage, a series hasn't started until a road team wins, and both teams took care of business at home. It's now the best two out of three between the top two teams in the East. NBA is lucky. NBA is lucky that they have this going on. Uh, The East is competitive and has solid enough teams to keep people interested. Uh, And this is just a great series. Well, and I think this is what we this all... It's a great matchup. It's a fun one for basketball fans. It's what we all wanted. It's what we all, I think, expected in terms of not maybe the teams that are in it, but the East beating up, beating the up on themselves. It's been so long. It's been so long since I thought of anybody. Like, it's just been LeBron for 10 fucking years. Yeah. You know, I forget what it's like every year to be like, I wonder who's actually going to win the East this year. Because I haven't thought that. In at least nine years. And there were four legitimate teams that could have done it. I don't the last time I I like thought about who could win the East and and it was and it in the back of my mind I knew it was gonna be LeBron. The last time I thought that was pro- I couldn't buy a drink. <laughs> that yeah. was that was quite some time ago. This is a I I'm just this series is just dope. I mean, there's a lot of history behind it. There's a lot of cool both these teams. I've never seen either one of these teams uh in the finals. Uh the Raptors franchise has never even been to the finals. Yeah. Um and then, you know, you got the Kawhi, the Giannis, um, you got MVP versus a great team. It's it's got all the good headlines. Um, you know, the old matchups of the two thousand one playoffs that we went down. Yep. Those were fun. You know, when the Sixers, they had to go through the Raptors, then the Sixers had to go through the Bucks in 2001. And those were like the last time th- these two teams were like flirting with the finals. Yeah. And then in this in this series, game one was a blowout. Game two was pretty close. Then game three went yeah. to after double first, overtime. After the first two games, nobody thought Toronto had a chance. No, but. And then after the, after the next two games, everyone was like, Fuck, I don't know. Raptors could win it. You know, that's that's what you want. Yeah, and I mean, with Game Three going to double overtime, and then 
the Raptors really taking care of business in game four to set up this game five in Milwaukee. Yeah, someone said it best. Kawhi's not worried about Giannis. No, I what? Mean, he played, he, you know, he was a kid guarding Braun. He's done it all. Play with Duncan, play with Parker, play with Pop, Ginobili. Um, he's not he's not intimidated by the moment. He's up for the challenge, and I hope he just guards Giannis more. Dude, he's done an incredible job guarding Giannis. He has. I mean, it's not a surprise at all. He's got to be a you know. Uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine about like the best matchups for Giannis ever, and Kawhi's probably in the top five ever. And we were talking about you know. If you threw Rodman on him, Pippen on him. Oh, jeez. You know, the best match at Ron Artest, Kevin Garnett. The, you know, these were the names uh, that we were coming up with. And Kawhi's probably in the mix, man. He's I would just, put him there, yeah, for a, sure. It's just been such a weird a weird season for him be coming off an even weirder season last year. Yeah. And, I mean, Lowry, has he's having the best series of the postseason. I think the NBA is going to force the MVP into the finals, though. Oh, you're sticking with this? Yeah, I think so. I really want the Raptors. Like, now I actually do kind of want the – like, I, I actually feel a want for the Raptors to win. I, like, I feel gonna- like I'm, I, I feel as if in my heart I'm rooting for them. But I think it might be tied to the fact that I think the NBA is going to make sure that the Bucks and the MVP plays Curry. I think that – I think the Raptors are going to get it done. I still I still believe that they're going to get it done, especially if they can pull out this game five. I think the Raptors have the best um, – best team to defend Giannis but Golden State just like it would be cool to see Giannis play against Golden State I don't know if uh, Kawhi is necessarily going to be like a cool matchup it'll be dope because it'll get to play against KD but we've already seen that yeah (laughs) we've already seen that movie (laughs) but well yeah I mean it's either I keep going back. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who well, the no, Warriors play. Well, no, because we don't have a horse in the race. Um, no, I'm not, no, the, I'm not even the talking. the Warriors are going to win it. I'm not but even talking about that's rooting why, interest. But that's, but that's why the series is cool, because it's kind of the end of the road. Got to get this one. Got to get this one if you're either, either team. Well, for sure. Who? I mean, who wouldn't want to get their crack at the Warriors? No, but I'm just saying this is, this is a shot. You know, the window's not going to always stay open. Yeah. Now, off the court. In this series, the biggest storyline over the past two, three days has been Drake and his excitement during the game. Do you have a problem with Drake's antics on the sideline? No, not at all. I think he's, you know, part of the franchise, part of the team. Yeah, he's a he's a legitimately a global ambassador yeah. for the Raptors. He's on the team's payroll. Is he, he has, ir- is he irritating sometimes? Probably. Well, if if I was if I was playing against him. He'd probably irritate the fuck out of me. Mike but, Budenholzer made his displeasure known. But it's not if he if it's in Toronto, I don't you know, I'm down with it. You know, it oh yeah, he's not he's it. not traveling to Milwaukee. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. So it's like if he's not doing, you know, that's disrespectful. You know, what I mean, that's where it would probably become like, dude, this you know the guy's doing it in our hometown. Uh, but if he's in Toronto, he's meant a lot to that franchise. Helped him out a lot, I think. And uh, I mean, dude, dude, he's got a locker in the locker room. He bought their practice facility. Yeah, he bought he paid, he bought he, them their practice. Yeah, facility. he paid. He didn't he paid buy it for it. himself. He paid for it. You know, so uh, I don't have any issues with it. And I think it's that's another situation, just like Katie and Brassard. It's like I think both parties feel like they won the argument. You know, well, and Budenholzer stood up. 
first team and he didn't want to hear it. Well, and, and he kind of he kind of backtracked. He's old, and he's an old school guy. He's probably in the heat of the moment, whatever. Um, and and Drake Drake takes the win because obviously Budenholzer was salty. Yeah, and I mean Budenholzer as the coach, I think should have just deflected, like deflected and just been like, I'm not worried about Drake. I'm worried about the actual players. But I also think it's a pretty simple solution for the Bucks, and it's it's just like the U said in the '80s. It's like if you don't want us to dance and celebrate and all of that, don't let us score. Don't let us beat you. It's a big boy league. Exactly. Yeah, no problems with Drake on the court. So I mean, are you going? Well, it's 92 to 87 now. With has Drake ever gotten teed up? No. See, I think he – that's definitely – Him and Kendrick Perkins almost got into it last year, though, remember? I, I think that Drake should be, you know, if he is going to have all this, you know. I think Spike Lee and Jack Nicholson have been teed up. Damn, you just hit a three to go down two. That's a good one. Um, but if he's – yeah, exactly. If he's allowed to be, you know, doing that and, and being on the sidelines and moving around and he is part of the team – then you probably should be held responsible for those. I mean, he put his hands on Nick Nurse during the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, they're probably – Drake's probably going to end up having, like, the Drake rule, you know, yeah. where the NBA, the oh. future, like, adjusts everything and, you know, figures it out. Sorry. Uh, Giannis tipped the ball back, and Kyle Lowry went backcourt, but because of the tip, it was uh, – This would be a good one. Yeah, it's two point game. Toronto up ninety two to ninety. Three minutes and forty one seconds to go. Don't know by then. But let's move on to the all NBA teams, the all rookie teams, and the all defensive teams because they have been announced now that the regular season has been completed. We'll start with the all NBA teams. The first team was Steph Curry, James Harden, Paul George, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic. The second team. Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid. And the third team was Russell Westbrook, Kemba Walker, Blake Griffin, LeBron James, Rudy Gobert. Real quick, LeBron James' all-NBA selection this year means that is his 15th, which ties him for the most, uh, tying him with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe Bryant, and Tim Duncan. So congrats to him. Broke the 11-year streak of first-teamers. Yes, that is true. My only issue with the all-NBA teams, I would have probably switched Kevin Durant and Paul George, put Paul George on the second team, Kevin Durant on the first team. That's just kind of yeah, based off. Paul George kind of lost steam at the end when he got hurt. And when you when – Or you, when his, his health, you know – Whatever, whatever's going on with him physically. I don't know if he'd been hurt for a long time. But. Yeah, his shoulder started to mess with him that, toward, towards the end of the season, and it, it definitely hampered him in the playoffs. But I think when you got most of the NBA players currently, a lot of the NBA media that covers the NBA on a day-to-day basis, having Kevin Durant as the consensus best player in the world, having him on the second team, I don't really understand how that works. It happens. I mean, Russell's averaging a triple double. He's on third team. I mean, yeah. You know, that, I th- but I, I I don't really have any problems. It's always tough for me to have problems with the All NBA team because it's not like the guys that got it are undeserving. It's more, you know, people like Clay might be more deserving, right? Um, 
you know. Well, I mean, it's like, well, if you put Clay on, who do you, who would you take off? The only I would Kemba. take, yeah, Kemba. Yeah, which that's what I mean. He's deserving, so it's not like I want to take Kemba off, but I do think Clay was more deserving. Right, and then I think I think Joel Embiid might have an argument to be the first team center over that, Jokic. That's like my that's definitely my number one um gripe about the the all NBA teams was I I believe Embiid was first team. Uh but it was like the closest margin for votes. Yeah, and he, he was uh he got a ton of first team votes. And at the end of the day, I mean for a good chunk of the season, Denver had the best record in the West. Yeah, and Jokic is deserving. So, 100%. I, you know, I, I don't have an issue with it. But that if I if I had to change one thing, probably Embiid and Jokic switching it up, and then Clay for Kemba. Okay. Uh, now on the flip side, all this All NBA stuff matters in terms of free agency and contracts. And shout out to Bobby Marks from ESPN for all these numbers that I'm going to be throwing out over the next couple of minutes, but because Damian Lillard and Kemba Walker made All-NBA this year, they are now eligible for the Supermax extension this summer. Because Klay Thompson did not make the All-NBA uh, this season, he is not eligible for the Supermax this summer. Because Bradley Beal did not make All-NBA this season, he is not eligible for the Supermax next summer. Rudy Gobert, because he won Defensive Player of the Year last year and made All-NBA this year, is eligible for the Supermax extension next summer. Giannis is also eligible for that same Supermax extension next summer. And because Carl Anthony Towns did not make All-NBA this season, he will not get a Supermax bonus that he had in his contract that's going to be worth 32 million dollars clay is losing out on potentially 30 million dollars this summer because he didn't make all nba now kemba walker who we said we would probably switch out of all nba and put clay in for him because he made it he can now sign a super max deal this summer with this charlotte bob charlotte bobcats wow the charlotte hornets of five years, $221 million. And the yeah. difference between signing that Supermax or signing with another team, he would lose out on about $80 million. Man, that's tough. I mean, Kevin's obviously got to sign with Charlotte. And I but think does Jordan, Jordan's never offered. I think Charlotte's got to pass on that if they, if they can. That's tough to say because he's done so much for them and he he's like a deserving guy, but that is a bad contract. Exactly. I don't think Jordan is going to offer him that max contract no, because there's no way you can give that contract to a six foot thirty year old point guard. And he exactly he'd be paying him almost fifty million dollars when he's thirty four, and still the same height. Yeah. <laughs> Not no and and no height and, doesn't matter. And I no knock no knock on Kemba because yeah. he's incredible. No, he's, I'm just saying that's a bad contract. That's a bad deal. I, it's like not, the Chris Paul deal. He's not worth his value. There's a there's a ton of contracts out there in the NBA history that are bad. Yeah, and that's gonna be one of them if if it goes down. Yeah. Now, I mentioned Giannis is eligible for his supermax extension next summer. That Supermax extension could be the largest contract in NBA history. 
it would start in the 2021-2022 season. It would be worth a total of $247.3 million. It would be broken down like this. 42.6 the first year, 46 the second year, 49.5 the third year, 52.9 the fourth year, and the last year of his deal, he would be making $56.3 million. And that's probably what's going to happen. And he's going to stay in Milwaukee the yeah. rest of his career. Yeah, it's good. well, until he's until he's old, he might go ring chase him at the end. But I mean, for the, I just think that's probably what's going to happen. It's not surprising though. I mean, duh, it's the 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 highest paid player, the the biggest contract ever. Those are always changing. It's just amazing to me that. No, I mean he's the man. He's he's next up. He's uh, one of the best, one of the best players in the world. It's just, I don't and Milwaukee, think. And Milwaukee's got to give it to him because they're Milwaukee and they're they're only going to get this guy one. You know, they're only going to get a shot at this type of player once every couple generations. Not even like once a generation. Yeah. You know. Now, it's been these... it's been since 1972 <laughs> that they had a player of this caliber. Yeah, and. Now these these accolades, these awards that are all voted on, they're voted on by the media. Do you think it's fair that the media has a say in how much these players make? No, not at all. I, yeah. I really don't. I'm really uh, not a not a fan of that at all because it's personal and it's a business and there's agendas and all, all this stuff. I mean, I don't I don't care it, who's voting. I mean, I don't think anyone. Never mind. Not that's that's the wrong way to phrase it. I, it doesn't matter who's voting on all NBA. All NBA should have nothing to do with how much a player gets paid. None of these awards should that, have anything to do with how much a player, a player gets paid. Yeah, it, the it should be the only thing that should determine how much a player gets paid is are film. the not even well not even the film, the negotiations between the agent and the player yeah, and the team. Yeah, exactly. If you sign up for it, you know, I don't think that you. Sh- this is just doesn't work. I mean, you, you we just laid it out why it doesn't work. Clay and Kemba, Dude. Clay deserve Clay's deserving, and they should give him that contract. Kemba is deserving, but they that's a bad deal. So you're you're like, if you let that happen, then Charlotte's probably gonna fuck themselves for years to come, which isn't good for the league. If you gave it to Clay, then it wouldn't really change anything as far as the projection of the league. You know, they just need to throw that shit out. You know, well, and the awards about, do not dictate value. And as think far about as the team. Dollars. Think about the team side. Minnesota's probably thrilled they don't got to throw Cat an extra thirty-two million dollars that they could use somewhere else in free agency. I do like the idea of, you know, if a player's played with you for over three years, you can offer them more money. But than yeah, everybody it shouldn't else. be. It shouldn't be dictated on all NBAs. But that, yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you know, if I want to offer you know, Clay Thompson more than I should be able to, you know, that is, or if I'm Clay Thompson, I think I'm valued more and I don't get my value because I didn't make all NBA. That's a problem. Yeah, for sure. Kevin Walker should not be getting paid more than me. I completely agreed. Now the all defensive teams were very interesting to say the least somewhat. Some people might say controversial. Honestly, the defensive teams and the defensive player of the year has been so weird because they're always just such on 
different pages. You yeah. Know, I did I don't really know how they go about picking these guys out in what teams, but it's like, yeah, they're all pretty good at defense, but you know, not necessarily who I would have picked. Right. So the first team was Eric Bledsoe, Marcus Smart, Paul George, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Rudy Gobert. And see, like, you know, Bledsoe, Bledsoe is pretty surprising to be on first team to me. I, w- I was surprised to see Marcus, Bledsoe and Smart on Marcus the first team. Marcus Smart is surprising to see, but it's like, okay, he's a defensive guy. He's a gritty guy. Um, I'd rather have Pat if Beverly, he was on, though. Yeah, if he was on the second team, I wouldn't be mad at it. First team, that's kind of – I think that's a stretch. Um, but you know, I'd rather have Clay on the first. It's team. just weird. I, yeah, it's just weird. I mean, Giannis, Paul George, Gobert for sure. Yeah, uh, Draymond for sure should be on first team. Uh, Embiid is legit. Well, the only reason he's on second team is because Gobert is right. on first team. So the second the second team is Drew Holiday, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, Draymond Green, and Joel Embiid. And it just goes back to it's just like the you know, I don't know. That's a weird. Well, I don't know this, how they came up with it. If they got lost in the moment for like people like Bledsoe, Smart, Drew Holiday, like those well, just, Drew Holiday was first team last year. Yeah, and that and he's and he's a good defender. I just uh, and I don't know off top other than people like Pat Bev, but there's a lot of good defenders in the league. Um, but I think I mean yeah. I think honestly it all goes back to the argument that t- is taking place with the All NBA teams. The All NBA teams should be just the top 15 players in the league. It should be positionless, just like all right, we're voting on the top 15, the top five votes. That's the first team that. The next five is the second team. The next five is the third team. I think it should be the same thing with defense. It's just like, all right, the top ten defensive players, and that's your first and second team. Well, you do have a lot of centers on there. But, hey, I mean. But that's their job. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't. I definitely don't agree with players getting, uh, getting paid differently for awards, but I think awards are just kind of the best, um, best you can – the best we've got figured out so far. Until we figure out a better way to do it. Yeah. All right. Real quick, before we go to the rookie teams, there's 20 less than less than 20 seconds. Oh, geez, Kyle Lowry just got tackled. Okay. Pascal Siakam just dunked it. It's 16.3 seconds left. 102 to 97. Yeah. Timeout. Bucks. Bucks are losing. Yeah. Raptors can wrap this up in uh in the six. Yeah. And Mike Boonholzer just ran halfway across the court to go yell at a ref yeah. because they thought that Milwaukee had gotten a foul and the refs didn't call it. And Pascal Siakam was able to get a dunk out of it to push the lead to five. Toronto, realistically, is probably going to win this game. There's about 16 seconds left. Let's get to the rookie teams, though. The first team... Luka Doncic, Trey Young, Jaron Jackson Jr., Marvin Bagley III, DeAndre Ayton to round it out. And then the second team was Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Colin Sexton, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Huerter, and Landry Shamit. This is the first time since 1984 that the top five picks in order were named to the first team all-rookie. That year it was Hakeem, Olajuwon, Sam Bowie, uh, Michael Jordan, obviously, Sam Perkins, and Charles Barkley. And then this year, Luca, Trey, Jaron Jackson, Marvin Bagley, DeAndre Ayton. I'm perfectly okay with all of this as far as the rookies. I have no gripes with it. Yeah. Obviously, I think 
without there being the Luka and Trey argument. I think DeAndre Ayton any other year would win Rookie of the Year. Marvin Bagley is a stud for Sacramento. Jaron Jackson is definitely on the rise. Yeah. Um, it's cool to see the top five go in the first team because then – Yeah, it's the first I time I've then, seen it in then, my lifetime. I think that – I think all five of those teams are happy with their pick. Couldn't really do better than that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, all right, let's transition from all of that to a little more Lakers-centric stuff. Obviously, last week when we recorded, you were not here. It was the same night as the NBA draft lottery. Uh, I kind of wanted to get your reaction to how everything played out. Just to remind everybody, the results of the draft lottery were New Orleans at number one, Memphis at number two, the Knicks at three, the Lakers at four, Cleveland at five, Phoenix six, Chicago seven, Atlanta eight, Washington nine, Atlanta again at 10, which is a pick from Dallas, Minnesota at 11, Charlotte at 12, Miami at 13, and then Boston, who got this pick from Sacramento, who got this pick from Philadelphia to round out the lottery at 14. So how do you how do you feel about the Lakers getting the number four pick? Um, well, first of all, the draft lottery, I was very pleased with the results in general. Yeah. I like that the tank teams didn't necessarily get rewarded, um, particularly the Knicks, the Suns. Uh, Cleveland, Chicago, the, Atlanta. Yep. The and uh and you know it's like the the other ones the mainly the Knicks and the Suns yeah you know I was like good you know I'm glad uh Cavs I kind of have a soft spot for just because I feel bad for them but it's kind of uh, funny that they lost LeBron James and the Lakers still got a better pick than the Cavs but the the, the Lakers um I mean that's a big time win I you know New Orleans obviously the biggest winner. Memphis, a big-time winner. Huge win uh, for them. Knicks, a loser. Uh, although the Knicks are still going to get a solid piece, they're a loser because they <laughs> wanted Zion. And I mean, this it, franchise has been mismanaged and in disarray for my entire life. So It was all but written in stone that Zion yeah. was going to be a Nick. Until the, until the Knicks do something, they're a loser. Um, Lakers at four is a, is a win. Cavs at five is a loss, even though, you know, it's not a terrible pick. They were still just hoping for top three. Six Suns, that's a loss. Uh, Bulls, seven, that's a loss. Now the Hawks, I think, are a big-time winner. Another, well, because they got another, two picks. They've got two picks, eight eight and ten. They're going to get – if they don't mess this up, they can get two good pieces. 100%. Uh, and then they got two all-rookies. And then they got, you know, a young John Collins who's coming off an all-rookie campaign the year before. Yep. So, you know, if you could put five good young pieces down there in Atlanta, um, those people are waiting for that that kind of team. So that so I think the Hawks are big time winner. And uh yeah, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting draft. Yeah. I'm excited to see uh what see what happens. Um the draft the order's great for me. I like I love the order. I, yeah. w- I wish uh, I wish Memphis could rock, you know, with Conley and Ja Morant. I don't know if that's going to work. They're probably going to make some moves. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's going to. I mean, you, I think you got to take you got to take Ja. But RJ is a stud. I hate to admit it because he's a Duke kid and he's Canadian. But RJ's a a, a bona fide stud. I think he could be an All Star in the league. 
And to match RJ with Jaron Jackson in Memphis, Whew. you know, I, I think RJ could be a good player in a small market. Um, and then and then keep Conley, you know, as like a veteran piece. That could be a nice little. That could be a nice little start to something. Yeah. Uh, kind of like a cr- Conley could kind of be like a crutch to lead Jackson and RJ into the future, but they got to take Ja. Yeah, and I think the most interesting part of all of this is obviously New Orleans ending up with number one with everything that they went through with Anthony Davis during the regular season. I said it last week, and now that you're here, I'll say it to you. I don't see why Anthony Davis doesn't just give it a try this year, plays out the season. He lets New Orleans know it's like, listen, I'm going to play it out. Let's see if we can win with Zion. If at the trade deadline or around there we're in a losing position, we're not looking like we're going to make the playoffs, trade me then so you get something in return. He's in a tough spot, though, because he can only lose value. Exactly. That's 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 why he's like – fortunate enough, I think he's going to be all right either way. You know, it'd be really cool to see him try this out. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to end up just trying to get out of there and not be part of that show. He's Anthony Davis. He's a top five basketball player in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's what he's waking up and telling himself. He's telling himself, I'm going to be the best player in the world. Um, And that's where it shifts to teams like the Knicks and the Lakers who have high draft picks still that they can throw at New Orleans. And I think since it's been now over a week since the Lakers have gotten the fourth pick and people have analyzed what they're going to do, who they might pick, what they might do, if they're going to trade it or not. I think it'd be naive of anybody to think that if the Lakers do make a trade for Anthony Davis, that this number four pick is a part of that package. Yeah, I I like to think that the Lakers are going to pick up a young player and roll with the team they have, but the odds of that happening are probably pretty slim. They're probably trading this pick. Or they're picking for – yeah, they're picking for somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that – player that goes at fourth overall is probably not going to play for the Lakers. And, I mean, realistically, historically, if we look back, the fourth pick of the draft hasn't realistically always worked out. So it might be a blessing in disguise for the Lakers to get rid of the pick. It's obviously a blessing right now in front of them getting the fourth pick because that's the best news the Lakers have gotten probably in the last month and a half getting this fourth pick no it is and it's basically the only good thing that's happened in a year well since, probably Le- the best, since lebron yeah, it's probably the best thing since lebron but lakers are doing lakers are it's it's turned around a little bit i like i like vogel as a hire and i like the fourth pick uh, we have we've got assets and uh we've got you know some structure at the top and so uh that the lottery it was just only icing on the cake well yeah exactly the the structure at the top is a little more clear now that uh cam reddish is going to be a good pick in this in this draft he's going to drop because people are like you know i i I don't necessarily think he's like he's not on rj's level i don't know if he's an nba all-star but i think he can be a solid basketball player you know the kid from Virginia, DeAndre Hunter. I'm not. I haven't really watched Darius Garland play too much. Neither have I. Um, so I don't have a strong opinion on him. Well, there's buzz about your boy Jarrett Culver. And then Culver, man, I told you when, uh, his draft stock was just shooting up because he looks like he's got an NBA game. Um, but my, but my, the guy I got to see is Rue uh, from Gonzaga. I got to see where he goes. I'm praying it's not Boston. 
Um, I just, but I'm going to be stoked no matter where he goes. I'm really excited for that kid from Gonzaga. Um, but there's a lot, of, and there's a, you know, a lot of these guys I watched in high school. There's a guy called Talon Horton Tucker. Yep. Who's from Simeon High School in Chicago. He's a cool kind of throwback Draymond type of player. Uh, Tyler Hero, I was a big fan of his in high school. Kentucky. He's a. He's a true shooting guard, which is kind of rare nowadays. So, and then um, the guys that I'm, I, I hope have a good run at it, but I think their biggest issue is being on the court is Bull Bull and Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah, um, I mean, you got to. I hope Kevin Porter Jr. can stay stay on the court. He's another one of those scoring two guards. He's more of a ball handler, though. Well, I mean, like James I think. Harden. And then Bull Bull could be special. He I think be, Kevin Porter Jr. If he gets put in the right situation, he could be special. He could be the steal of the draft, in my opinion. Yeah, no, and he could. He's uh, he's just got to he's got to stay on the court. He's got to keep progressing, but he's gifted. Bull Bull could change the game. He could be a di- a, a game changing center, and it'll be interesting to see later on in the draft. You know, second round probably, maybe late first round. Taco Fall. You know what's funny about Taco Fall is when I saw his measurements get like his official measurements from the draft combine get released. I just kept trying to convince myself that the Lakers shouldn't just say fuck it and draft him at four. You can't do that, dude. <laughs> I know you can't do that. And that's why I'm saying I was trying to convince myself he's the Lakers just, shouldn't. Uh, he's just a guy that's going to be – his biggest thing is going to be minutes played, his fatigue, his wind. You can't yeah. be on the court too long. I, th- I, I like uh, – I think a Boban is, is kind of like a good – uh, is a good like he goal can really for only him, play you know? about like, twenty minutes a game. Yeah, that's I think if you can get to a Bobin level, uh, be really efficient and really good when you come in and and have that length uh, affect the game. Oh, he'll be efficient. He doesn't have to jump to dunk. It's just that I, you know, is he going to be able to get close to the rim? Is he going to be able to be fast enough to get to you know to the other end of the court on defense? It's there's a lot of question marks, and that's why his his uh, his draft stock is in a lottery pick, but. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if he can you know change that narrative and be a productive player. He's only been playing basketball five six years. Yeah, no, but I mean his his progression has been incredible. But you mentioned how, and I'm gonna I'm gonna transition this back to the Lakers. You mentioned how they have a little bit more structure at the top of their organization <laughs> now. Yeah, and I think that's because they announced that they weren't gonna replace. Uh, Magic Johnson and Phil, the president of basketball operations, position. Yep. And we can kind of now talk about the bombshells that Magic dropped on Monday morning on ESPN's first take. And it just so happened to be the same day and a few hours prior to Frank Vogel's introductory press conference as the Lakers' newest head coach. I think my biggest takeaway from everything that Magic had to say on first take is he had an understanding of what his job responsibilities would be as president of basketball operations and Jeannie Buss and Rob Palinka had a different understanding of what his responsibilities and role would be. Rob started to voice those displeasures, and Magic didn't like that. And I think that because Magic and Jeannie would have so many conversations about the team prior to Magic being hired as president of basketball operations, they kind of said, hey, why don't we just do this at an official capacity and we'll just throw a title on your name and it'll be president of basketball operations. And 
if you're to believe that Magic was not as present around the Lakers organization as he was expected to since, you know, he is Magic Johnson and he has his hands in so many different other projects and businesses, he should have just been given the title of advisor or special consultant like Jerry West is with the Clippers. Yeah. No, I mean, the whole Magic Johnson thing is kind of like, I don't, I didn't like how he went about it, but I understand. And I, I, I get where he's coming from. And he's Magic Johnson, so he can get away with it. It's not a big, you know, no, yeah. not, a, not a ton of harm was done. The Lakers have just already been just like a, a clusterfuck. So it was just kind of like one more thing to me. Yeah. Um, but I just think he's like, oh, I want to try this. And then it didn't, yeah. he's like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore, you know? Yeah, I make I, enough money. I don't money. necessarily like the way he went about, like, quitting, but I, I got no hard feelings for him. And, uh, you know, Magic like Magic and Rob Plinka have never done what they're doing right now. You know, they're both rookies at it. Yeah. So we, we didn't know, you know, we can't be too surprised because we didn't know how they would react in these situations yeah i mean like you said we both said when it happened magic could have handled his resignation better and for him to talk about how much he loves the lakers and wants them to succeed and still wants to be involved in recruiting even though he doesn't have an official position with the team him being an all-time great there there's no one that can deny what magic's done for the franchise people are always going to give him the benefit of the doubt he still I should mean, not have think, undercut the franchise yeah. by going on national television and airing yeah. his dirty laundry well, the same day they're supposed to be announcing and introducing their new head coach to the local media. Yeah, and I think the only person that's got like a legit beef, the, the only person that should be like pissed about it is Braun. Because I think Magic was like one of the big reasons why Braun came here. So yeah. like, he has like a legit reason. Uh, Rob Polinka, I think, has a legit reason too. It's just like, but it's just like at the same time, I, I they couldn't have thought that he was going to do too much. You know well, what I mean? no, I mean, I think Rob Polinka has a gripe because Magic is doing this so publicly. I think yeah. as a man, Rob Polinka would say, "I would want to talk about this face to face with yeah, someone." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but also, they're moving on well. I mean, Rob Polinka bouncing back. Rob Polinka is getting trashed on national television, and then in the press conference for Frank Vogel, he's getting asked about Magic Johnson. When he should be getting asked about the guy sitting who sitting next to him. No, and that's how it should go. But you, you know, you're the GM of the Lakers, so you're held to a different standard. Um, the Lakers have been ran horribly the last six years. Yeah. And you know, if you win some games, and all this shit will go away. But until then, you know, you're kind of just subject to that fire. Yeah, and I think the the Lakers really need to realize the mess that they're in and. I think they need to. They're get- good though. I mean, I think we're good. I, I think the Lakers are all right now. You know, it's. It, you really think so? I think the people. I think the Lakers are set up. They. I mean, obviously, they got to make a huge step next year and be a dominant force in the West. Well, they got to sign someone in free agency this summer. Yeah, but now it's like they've got a coach, which I think the coaching scenario ended up being in a win. They yeah. dodged that, like you know. Uh, I don't think Ty Lue's as good of a basketball coach as Frank Vogel. They might not have handled it great, but they got someone who I think is respectable, and I think he is going to be a, a good coach yeah. for this team. Well, and it's like we talked about it a bunch about Ty Lue. It's like most Laker fans didn't want Ty Lue. I, my opinion was you have to take Ty Lue because that's Braun's guy. Yeah. And Ty Lue was – I think that was a, a, a big-time – baller move like decline in three years because well, he's he knows, still getting paid by cleveland and he knows his value don't don't sign into three years because you want to cut me when Braun cuts 
Yeah. Um, I'm not just I'm not just LeBron James's coach. That you know yeah. he's got to get out from that identity, and in doing so, I think the Lakers stumbled into a better coach. Now, this is the only thing that's up in the air. Like you said, they they have a, I think they have assets, but they have to they have to add someone else. Yeah. And Vogel and and LeBron got to be on the same page. Well, and realistically, or, or those two things have to happen, or they're not going to be championship contenders and and realistically now that magic is gone the biggest recruiter for the lakers is lebron yeah. so it's like if if the so, lakers strike uh, out this summer it's lebron's fault yeah but yeah then and you could say that because anything that happens with the lakers is lebron's fault it's lebron's team exactly uh, but it's like they got a handful of young talent uh, young players that are talented they've got the number four pick in the draft they've got lebron james They've got a good head coach. Um, they've got Jason Kidd, who could be a good player developer, um, who's been a head coach and an NBA All Star. They've got they know where Plinka and and Jeannie Buss's roles. You know, it, hopefully everyone now is on the same page. Is what I'm trying I to say. I hope so. And that is a good thing because no one was on the same page. Yeah, it was it was split between like, are we doing this Braun thing or are we not? Yeah, you know. And now I gotta hope that everybody's on the Braun page. And they're trying to deal their assets for a star, basically. Or sign a star and keep the young assets. Which is what I personally hope happens, but I think is less realistic. Now that we have the fourth pick, at least. Yeah, and I'm just, like, ready for the Lakers to trade my favorite players away, you know? I it's, just got, I guess I'm just, like, preparing myself for the worst as far as that goes. It's gonna but be at the end day. of the day, it's not going to be that bad because the Lakers will be good, so. Yeah. But I want I want to talk about Vogel a little bit more for a second. Um, obviously, with the press conference being after the first take thing, I felt bad that he had to go through it, but he handled it like a champ, and I th- I think he handled it better than I thought anyone could have handled the situation. Uh, he mentioned in the press conference, and I really liked how he talked about it. Uh, since his time away from coaching the past year, what? He's back. Yeah. Oh. What? Should I go see what he wants? He's trying to say something to us. I don't know. Sorry about this, guys. We're uh. Oh, we're almost done. Eight twenty. Oh shit! I was like. What do you mean they have it at eight? He said they have it at eight. Yeah. Well, whatever. We're almost done. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that, guys. I'm going to leave all that in there, but whatever. (laughs) Um, Like I was saying, Vogel mentioned in the press conference how in his time away from coaching over the past year uh, since he got fired from Orlando, he spent time with six different teams in the NBA, including Mm -hmm. both the Jazz and the Celtics to learn more about modern offensive schemes and basically having to unlearn what he thought he knew about offensive philosophies in basketball. So I thought, I thought that was really cool that he's kind of rededicated himself to, to learning new things and being more open-minded. So, so I, good coach. yeah, it's, it's really, I think going to only benefit the Lakers. I'm a big Frank Vogel fan. I think he's just a really good basketball coach. He develops talent. He, puts players in positions to succeed and he's been he's won a lot of games and playoff series yeah 
So, all right, before we get out of here, you know that I love to find random stuff on the internet and then get your instant reaction, or I'll find a list and have you guess the list. So uh, I got three of those for you real quick before we get out of here. Got it. The 2000 draft class. Yep, the worst one ever. Okay, well, never mind. What? They only have three all-star well, selections. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily the worst one ever, but that's what is – I've – since – 2005 that's all people have said you know right so they only have three all-star selections out of the entire draft class they all came in the same year Kenyon martin michael red and jamal mcglore i was like michael red's got to be one of them because but he was like way down in the draft he was not like a lottery picker yeah so my question was to you is the 2000 draft the worst nba draft ever yeah it's it's easy to say that right right like right off top but the uh there's another one recently like within the last five years and i don't if i think the dragon bender one is bad is that the one with markel fultz lonzo ball jason tatum was the dragon bender number four no or dragon bender was number four the year before that i think bender was the year before i think the and then the the um you know the anthony uh bennett draft i don't know that's a bad one that's what i mean i don't have in front of him but like off top 2000 has always been uh, regarded yeah. as the worst yeah that was Ola candy right michael, yeah michael Ola candy yeah he was the number one pick it that was year. people like mike marcus pfizer were picked in like the um and then that nico kid that uh had Socalides or, or yeah. it's like tsz like he picked by the nuggets he was like a top five pick and he i don't even know if he played 50 games yeah all right next one and uh you're gonna you're gonna like this one one on one in their primes, Allen Iverson or Steph Curry? Well, Allen Iverson's my favorite player ever. Uh, I think he's one of the hardest players to guard of all time. Uh, but Steph is uh, is the greatest point guard ever, in my opinion. He's the he's better than Magic already. Oh yeah, no, yeah, uh, we're, we're not doing sure. that. No, 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 no. We no. can do that another day, but that's where I stand with uh, with Steph for sure. I'm keeping Magic still. That's and that's fine. Uh, but in the the game of one on one, this is like just so impossible to pick. I got to go with AI. Just I because, knew you were going to go ju- with AI just because of the the fierceness, the competitiveness. I'd and probably I think, go, with- and I think AI would make it tougher on Steph's shot then Steph would make it tougher on AI because AI made tough shots. Yeah. I mean, Steph makes unbelievable shots as well. That's why it's I mean, it's a tough pick. But I got to go with the passion and the relentlessness and the the speed um, and and all that heart and all that stuff that made Iverson great. Yeah. I'd, pro- I'd honestly probably go with Iverson too. All right, last one. Top jersey sales were released mm-hmm. from the NBA for this season. I got the top 15 in front of me. I want to yeah. see how many you can name. Yeah. Um, well, the top's got to be the top's got to be Giannis Harden, Steph Curry. Uh, Giannis Harden, Steph Curry. And then I mean LeBron's got to be in the top 15. Yeah. And Embiid, Ben Simmons are probably in the top 10. Yep. Yep. Because uh, they're 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 the hot stuff. Yep. Um, I don't think any of the young, the rookies were in one there. rookie. Well, then, then it's probably man. It's got to be Trey or Luca, but uh, I'm Which gonna go. With Lu- I'm gonna go with Luca. It's Luca because the international sales. Luca's at thirteen. Uh, 
Let's see who else we got in there. Um, we got an all-time great in there. What D Wade? Yep. For this season. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. Yep. If I thought he about was, it, if I thought about it, that one, would probably makes sense. Kemba Walker is he in there? Kemba Walker is not because no, the Hornets jersey is dope. So no. all right. So the, that's the, another one. The top fifteen. Number one, LeBron. Number two, Steph. Because you got to remember, LeBron switched teams, so everybody's buying yeah. a new. LeBron no, I mean I said LeBron. And I just never know if he's number one or number five or number. You know, he's always in there. Yeah. So three was Giannis, four Kyrie, five Embiid, six Harden, seven Russ, eight Kevin Durant, nine Ben Simmons, ten Jimmy Butler, uh, eleven Dwayne Wade, twelve Paul George, thirteen Luka Doncic, fourteen Damian Lillard, fifteen Jason Tatum. What? <laughs> and we mentioned all but six. That's not too bad. Yeah, no, you d- you did a pretty good job. Kyrie, if I thought about it, I would have got there. Lillard, if I thought about it, I probably would have got there. Yeah. All right, you got a shout-out before we get out of here? I don't, man. I well, don't. It's I been, got you I've covered. been on vacation mode the last week. I got you covered because I got two. My first shout-out real quick, uh, it's to Josh Hart for liking my tweet last night about him. Uh, I said his comments were taken out of context when he was asked a hypothetical question and gave a hypothetical answer about his contract situation with the Lakers on Gilbert Arenas' podcast. So I tweeted about it, defended Josh Hart, tagged him in it, and he liked it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Shout out to Josh. That is dope. My second shout out, though, is a little more serious. Uh, I just want to say I hope everything works out for Tyreek Evans. He was banned from the NBA for two years for failing a drug test and testing positive for a drug of abuse, which the NBA defines as amphetamines like coke, meth, LSD and opiates, including heroin, codeine, morphine, and PCP. Uh, that's not funny. Recent players that have gotten this same punishment are OJ Mayo and Chris Anderson. Sounds like Birdman's got to be on that list. <laughs> yeah, Birdman is there. Uh, OJ Mayo was the most recent one, and I think his two-year ban is now up. So was he's Larry Sanders. Was Larry Sanders in there? No, he voluntarily retired. Yeah. I didn't know if it was if he had gotten in trouble though. No, he was part of the drug program though. He hadn't gotten like his third strike or whatever. But Tyreek Evans was the rookie of the year in 2009-2010. So it's uh pretty crazy to see the fall from grace that has taken place. So I hope everything works out for him. But with that that wraps up this episode of the TSK show. Don't forget you can find us at TSK show on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on social media, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Anchor as well. And we are now on Spotify. Just type in keyword TSK show to find us. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you decide to listen to the TSK show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK show. Two more till 100. Peace. All right.